0: On March twelfth we commemorate Venerable Theophanes, the Confessor of Sigriani, Righteous Phineas, the Grandson of Aaron, St. Gregory, the Alogus, Pope of Rome, Venerable Simeon, the New Theologian, the Icon of the Mother of God, not made by hands, from Lida, Righteous King Demetrius, Tavda de Vuli of Georgia, and the Higher Martyr, the II, Catholicos, Patriarch of all Georgia. St. Theophanus the Confessor, was born in 759 at Constantinople into a pious and renowned family. His father was a relative of the Byzantine Emperor Leo de Saurian 717-741. Three years after Theophanus was born, his father died, leaving his family under the care of the Emperor himself. Theophanus grew up at the court and became a dignitary under the Emperor Leo IV, the Khazar, 775-780. His position obliged him to enter into marriage but he persuaded his bride to live with him in virginity. After the death of his parents, Theophanes and his wife visited monasteries in the Sigrian desert in Asia Minor. Theophanes met the other Gregory Stratitoyos, who predicted to Theophanus' wife that her husband would earn the crown of martyrdom. Later the wife of Theophanes was tonsured a nun in one of the monasteries in Bithynia, and Theophanes went to a monastery in the Cyzicus region. With the blessing of his elder, Theophanes founded the Kaonimon Monastery on an island in the Sea of Marmara, and secluded himself in his cell, transcribing books. Theophanes attained a high degree of skill in this occupation. Later, St. Theophanes founded another monastery in Sigria, at a place called the Big Settlement, and became its Sigumen. He participated in all the work of the monastery, and was an example to all in his love for work and ascetical effort. He received from the Lord the gift of wonder-working, healing the sick, and casting out demons. The Seventh Ecumenical Council met in Nicaea in 787, which condemned the heresy of Iconoclasm. Saint Theophanus was also invited to the council. He arrived dressed in his tattered garments, but he revealed his wisdom in affirming the veneration of the holy icons. At the age of fifty, Saint Theophanus fell grievously ill, and he suffered terribly until the day he died. Even on his deathbed, the saint continued to work. He wrote his Chronographia, a history of the Christian Church, covering the years 285 to 813. This work has remained an invaluable source for the history of the Church. During the reign of the Emperor Leo the Armenian, 813 to 820, when the saint was advanced in age, the iconoclast heresy returned. They demanded that Saint Theophias accept the heresy, but he firmly refused and was locked up in prison. His big settlement monastery was put to the torch. The holy confessor died in eight eighteen after twenty three days in prison. After the death of the impious emperor Leo the Armenian, the big settlement monastery was restored, and the relics of the holy confessor were transferred there. The righteous Phineas, grandson of the high priest Aaron, who is also commemorated today, and son of the high priest Eleazar, who was also a priest and zealous in his service. When the Israelites, after the Holy Prophet Moses commemorated on September 4th, led them out of Egypt, were already near the Promised Land. Their neighbors, the Moabites and Midianites, were overcome by fear and envy. Not trusting their own strength, they summoned the magician Balaam to put a curse on the Israelites. The Lord revealed his will to Balaam, and Balaam refused to curse the people of God, seeing that God was pleased to bless them. Then the Moabites drew the Israelites into the worship of Baal Peor, God punished the Jews for their apostasy, and they died by the thousands from a plague. Many, beholding the wrath of God, came to their senses and repented. At this time a certain man named Zimri of the tribe of the Simeon brought to his brethren a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel, and they wept at the door of the tabernacle of witness. Phinehas, filled with wrath, went into Zimri's tent and, and killed both him and the Midianite woman with a spear. And the Lord said to Moses, Phinehas has caused my wrath against the children of Israel to cease, when I was exceedingly jealous among them. Behold, I give him a covenant of peace, and he and his descendants shall have a perpetual covenant of priesthood, because he was zealous for his God, and made atonement for the children of Israel. The Book of Numbers, chapter 25, verses 10 to 13. After this, at the command of God, Phineas went at the head of the Israeli army against the Moabites and brought chastisement upon them for their impiety and treachery. After the death of the high priest Eleazar, St. Phinehas was unanimously chosen as high priest. The high priesthood, in accord with God's promise, continued also with his posterity. St. died at an advanced age around 1500 B.C. St. Gregory the Logos was Pope of Rome, born in Rome around the year 540. His grandfather was Pope Felix, and his mother Sylvia, commemorated on November 4th, and Aunts Tarsila and Emiliana were also numbered among the saints by the Roman Church. Having received a most excellent secular education, he attained high government positions. Leading a God-pleasing life, he yearned for monasticism with all his soul. After the death of his father, St. Gregory used his inheritance to establish six monasteries. At Rome, he founded a monastery dedicated to the Holy Apostle Andrew I called, where he received monastic tonsure. Later on, a commission of Pope Pelagius II. St. Gregory lived for a while in Constantinople. There he wrote his commentary on the Book of Job. After the death of Pope Pelagius, St. Gregory was chosen to the Roman See. For seven months he would not consent to accept the service, considering himself unworthy. He finally accepted consecration only after the persistent entreaties of the clergy and flock. Wisely leading the Church, St. Gregory worked tirelessly in propagating the Word of God. St. Gregory compiled the liturgy of the pre-sanctified gifts in the Latin language, which before him was known only in the verbal tradition. Affirmed by the Sixth Ecumenical Council... This liturgical service was accepted by all the Orthodox Church. He zealously struggled against the Donatist heresy. He also converted the inhabitants of Brittany, pagans and Goths, who had been adhering to the Aryan heresy to the true faith. St. Gregory had left behind numerous written works. After the appearance of his book, Dialogues Concerning the Life and Miracles of the Italian Fathers, also known as Diologi da de Vita, and Miraculous Patrum Italorium, the saint was called Dialogus. His pastoral rule, also known as Liber Regula Pastoralis, was well known. In this work, St. Gregory describes the model of the true pastor. His letters, 848, dealing with moral guidance, have also survived. St. Gregory headed the church for 13 years, ministering to the needs of his flock, he was characterized by an extraordinary love of poverty, for which he was granted a vision of the Lord himself. Pope St. Gregory the Great, as he is known, died in the year 604, and his relics rest in the Cathedral of the Holy Apostle Peter in the Vatican. St. Simeon, the new theologian, was born in the year 949 in the city of Galatia, Paphlagonia, and he was educated at Constantinople. His father prepared him for a career at court, and for a certain while the youth occupied a high position at the imperial court. When he was 14, he met the renowned Elder Simeon, the pious, at the Studion Monastery, who would be a major influence in his spiritual development. He remained in the world for several years preparing himself for the monastic life under the Elder's guidance, and finally entered the monastery at the age of 27. St. Simeon the Pious recommended to the young man the writings of St. Mark the Ascetic, commemorated on March 5th, and other spiritual writers. He read these books attentively and tried to put into practice what he read. Three points made by St. Mark in his work on the spiritual law, see Volume 1 of the English Philokalia, particularly impressed him. First, you should listen to your conscience and do what it tells you if you wish your soul to be healed. That's from the Philokalia, page 115. Second, only by fulfilling the commandments can one obtain the activity of the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, one who prays only with the body and without spiritual knowledge is like the blind man who cried out, Son of David, have mercy upon me. This is from Luke, chapter 18, verses 38. Also the Philokalia, page 111. When the blind man received his sight, however, he called Christ the Son of God. St. Simeon was wounded with a love for spiritual beauty, and tried to acquire it. In addition to the rule given him by his elder, his conscience told him to add a few more psalms and prostrations, and to repeat constantly, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy upon me. Naturally, he heeded his conscience. During the day, he cared for the needs of people living in the palace of Patricius. At night his prayers grew longer, and he remained praying until midnight. Once, as he was praying in this way, a most brilliant divine radiance descended upon him and filled the room. He saw nothing but light all around him, and he was not even aware of the ground beneath his feet. It seemed to him that he himself became light. Then his mind rose upward to the heavens, and he saw a second light brighter than the light which surrounded him. Then on the edge of this second light, he seemed to see St. Simeon the Pious, who had given him St. Mark the Ascetic to read. Seven years after the vision, St. Simeon entered the monastery. There he increased his fasting and vigilance and learned to renounce his own will. The enemy of our salvation stirred up the brethren of the monastery against St. Simeon, who was indifferent to the praises or reproaches of others. Because of the increased discontent in the monastery, St. Simeon was sent to the monastery of St. Mamas in Constantinople. There he was tonsured into the monastic schema and increased his spiritual struggles. He attained to a high spiritual level and increased his knowledge of spiritual things through reading the Holy Scriptures and the writings of the Fathers, as well as in conversation with the Holy Elders. Around the year 980, St. Simeon was made agreement of the monastery of St. Mammas, and continued in this office for 25 years. He repaired and restored the monastery, which had suffered from neglect, and also brought order to the life of the monks. The strict monastic discipline for which St. Simeon strove led to great dissatisfaction among the brethren. Once after liturgy, some of the monks attacked him and nearly killed him. When the Patriarch of Constantinople expelled them from the monastery and wanted to hand them over to the civil authorities, St. Simeon asked that they be treated with leniency and be permitted to live in the world. About the year 1005, St. Simeon resigned his position as young in favor of Arsenius, while he himself settled near the monastery in peace. There he composed his theological works, portions of which appear in the Philokalia. The chief theme of his works is the hidden activity of spiritual perfection and the struggle against the passions and sinful thoughts. He wrote instructions for monks, theological and practical chapters, a treatise on the three methods of prayer, in volume 4th of the English Philokalia, and a treatise on faith. Moreover, St. Simeon was an outstanding church poet. He also wrote hymns of divine love, about 70 poems filled with profound prayerful meditations. The sublime teachings of St. Simeon about the mysteries of mental prayer and spiritual struggle have earned him the title, the New Theologian. These teachings were not the invention of St. Simeon, but they had merely been forgotten over time. Some of these teachings seemed unacceptable and strange to his contemporaries. This led to conflict with Constantinople's church authorities, and St. Simeon was banished from the city. He withdrew across the Bosphorus and settled in the ancient monastery of St. Macrina. The saint peacefully fell asleep in the Lord in the year 1021. During his life he received the gift of working miracles. Numerous miracles also took place after his death. One of them was the miraculous discovery of Zicon. His life was written by his cell attendant and disciple, St. Nisitas Stethatos. Since March 12th falls during Great Lent, St. Simeon's feast is transferred to October 12th. The Wonderworking Lida icon is mentioned in the service of the Kazan icon, July 8th and October 22nd in the third ode of the canon. According to tradition, the apostles Peter and John were preaching in Lida, later called Diospolis, near Jerusalem. There they built a church dedicated to the Most Holy Theotokos, then went to Jerusalem and asked her to come and sanctify the church by her presence. She sent them back to Lida and said, Go in peace, and I shall be there with you. Arriving at Lida, they found an icon of the Virgin imprinted in color on the wall of the church. Some sources say the image was on a pillar. Then the Mother of God appeared and rejoiced at the number of people who had gathered there. She blessed the icon and gave it the power to work miracles. This icon was not made by the hand of man, but by a divine power. Julian the Apostate, 361-363, heard about the icon and tried to eradicate it. Masons with sharp tools chipped away at the image, but the paint and lines just seemed to penetrate deeper into the stone. Those whom the Emperor had sent were unable to destroy the icon. As word of this miracle spread, millions of people came to venerate the icon. In the 8th century, St. Germanus, future patriarch of Constantinople commemorated on May 12th, passed through Lida. He had a copy of the icon made and sent it to Rome during the iconoclastic controversy. It was placed in the Church of St. Peter and was the source of many healings. In 842, the reproduction was returned to Constantinople and was known as the Roman icon, commemorated on June 26th. The oldest sources of information for the Lida icon are a document attributed to St. Andrew of Crete in 726, a letter written by three Eastern patriarchs to the iconoplast Emperor Theophilus in 839, and a work of George the Monk in 886. The icon still existed as late as the 9th century. The Holy Martyr Kirion II, known in the world as George Sadzaghdishvili, was born in eighteen fifty five in the village of Nikosi in the Gori District. His father was a priest. He enrolled at the Parochial School in Ananuri, then at the Theological School in Gori, and finally at the BOC Seminary. In eighteen eighty he graduated from the Kiev Theological Academy and was appointed Assistant Dean of the Odessa Theological Seminary. From eighteen eighty three to eighteen eighty six, Saint Kyrion was active in the educational life of Gori Talavi, Kutaisi, and Tibiosi. In 1886, he was appointed supervisor of the Georgian monasteries and dean of the schools of the Society for the Renewal of Christianity in the Caucasus. He directed the Parochial schools, established libraries and rare books, collections within them, and published articles on the history of the Georgian Church, on folklore, and literature under the pseudonyms Iverieli, Sadagelov, and Lyakveli taken after the Liakvi River which flows through his native region of Shida in inner Kartli, which is the central part of eastern Georgia. In 1886, God's chosen George was tonsured a monk with the name Kirion, and he was enthroned as abbot of Kvab Thalkevi Monastery. Kirion continued his scholarly pursuits and intensified his spiritual labors. He collected folklore and ethnographic materials and studied artifacts from ancient Georgian churches. He generously donated the reliquaries and rare manuscripts he found to the antiquities collections at the Church Museum of Tbilisi and the Society for the Propagation of Literacy among the Georgians. In 1898, Kirion published a description of the historical monuments of L'Archivi Gorge. His publication is an important resource for scholars and historians since most of the monuments he describes were toppled by George's ideological and national enemies in subsequent years. Kirion would later join the Moscow Archaeological Society. In August of 1898, Achimandita Kirion was consecrated bishop of Alaverdi. St. Kirion began at once to rebuild Alaverdi Church, and he offered his own resources for this momentous task. At the same time, he began to study the ancient artifacts of Kakheti and Hereti in eastern Georgia. Among the manuscripts he turned over to the Church Museum of Tbilisi was a holy gospel from the year 1098, unknown to scholars until that time. Bishop Kirion was a tireless researcher with a broad range of scholarly interests. To his pen belonged more than 40 monographs on various themes relating to the history of the Georgian church and Christian culture in Georgia. He compiled a short terminological dictionary of the ancient Georgian language and with the linguist Grigol Kipshidze, a history of Georgian philology. Kirion fought the appropriation of Georgian churches by the Armenian monophysites. He sent a detailed memorandum to the Russian exarch in Georgia demanding that the confiscated Orthodox churches be returned. In 1901, Kirion was installed as Bishop of Gori. By that time, it had become clear to the Georgian exarchate that the educated and progressive clergymen were endorsing the holy hierarchy and contesting the abolition of the autocephaly of the Georgian Church. However, the government found a way out of this dangerous situation by frequently reassigning St. Kirion to serve in different parts of the Russian Empire. In 1903, he was reassigned to Cherson, in 1904 to Orel, and in 1906 to Sokumi. In Sokumi, St. Kirion exerted every effort to restore and revive the historical Georgian churches and monasteries, though he would soon be reassigned to the Govno diocese. In 1905, at the demand of Georgia's intelligentsia, under the leadership of St. Ilya the Righteous, the regime formed an extraordinary commission to formally consider the question of the autocephaly of the Georgian church. St. Kirion delivered two lectures to the commission one of the reasons behind Georgia's struggle for the restoration of an autocephalist church and the other on the role of nationality in the life of the church. The commission rejected the Georgian claims to autocephaly and subjected the leaders of the movement to harsh repression. In 1907, St. Ilya the Righteous was killed and the government forbade St. Curion to travel to Georgia to pay his last respects. St. Curion managed only to send a letter of condolence to St. Ilya's loved ones. In the months that followed, the regime tightened down even more severely on St. Kyrion. In 1908, he was accused of conspiring the murder of Exarch Nikon, deprived of the rank of bishop and arrested. This treacherous deed roused the indignation not only of the Georgian people, but of the faithful of Russia as well. Even the democratic forces in Europe founded a society for the protection of the rights of Bishop Kirion. They gathered signatures to demand his release from prison. The bishop himself humbly carried the cross of his persecution and consoled his sympathizers with the words of the great Georgian poet Shota Rustaveli: Not a single rose is plucked from this world without thorns. We must bear our suffering with love, since suffering is the fruit of love, and in suffering we will find our strength. By the year 1915, the regime had ceased to persecute St. Kyrion. They restored him to the bishopric and elevated him as Archbishop of Polotsk, and Vitebsk in western Russia. He was not, however, permitted to return to his motherland. In March of 1917, the Georgian Apostolic Orthodox Church declared its autocephaly restored. At the incessant demands of the Georgian people, St. Kirion finally returned to his motherland. 120 cavalrymen met him in Argavi Gorge along the Georgian military highway and reverently escorted him to the capital. In Tbilisi, St. Kirion was met with great honor. In September of 1917, the Holy Synod of the Georgian Orthodox Church enthroned Bishop Kirion as Catholicos Patriarch of all Georgia. During the enthronement ceremony at Svetitskhoveli Cathedral, St. Kirion addressed the faithful, My beloved motherland, the nation protected by the Most Holy Theotokos, purified in the furnace by tribulations and suffering, washed in its own tears, I turn to you, having been separated from you, having sought after you, having grieved over you, having sought for you, and now having returned not as a prodigal son, but as your confidant and the conscience of your church. I know that in your minds you are all inquiring, What has he brought back with him? With what ointment will he heal his wounds? How will he comfort himself in his sadness? Consider my words. He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20, verse 28. I, likewise, have come not as a hired servant, but as a faithful and obedient son. Soon after he was enthroned, St. Curion sent an appeal to all the Orthodox patriarchs of the world in which he described in detail the history of the Georgian Church and requested an official recognition of her autocephaly. On May 26, 1918, Georgia declared its independence. The next day, Catholicos Patriarch Kirion II presided during the service of Thanksgiving. The chief shepherd and his flock rejoiced at the restoration of the autocephaly of the Georgian Church and the independence of the Georgian State, though from the beginning they perceived the imminence of the Bolshevik danger. The socialist revolution, now showing its true face, posed an enormous threat to the young republic and her church. On June 27, 1918, Catholicos Patriarch Kirion II was found murdered in the patriarchal residence at Matkopi Monastery. The investigation was a mere formality and the guilty were never found. Rumors were even spread that St. Kirion had shot himself. When the Holy Synod of the Georgian Apostolic Orthodox Church convened on October 17, 2002, it canonized Holy martyr Kirion and numbered him among the saints.